Hi there. Welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. I'm Michael Kessler, and I've been a defense attorney here on Florida's Treasure Coast for over 30 years. Today, we're going to talk about truth being stranger than fiction or fiction being more reliable than truth. Actually, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about movie and TV lawyers and some things we've learned from them. And first up today is going to be my good friend, Joe Mancini. Mike, thanks for that introduction. Hopefully this will be a very interesting podcast. I know it is for me personally. Uh, I love movies. But when I watch movies uh, with attorneys, I really have two focuses that I use. One is just the movie itself. And by that, I mean the plot, the cast, photography, all that sort of thing that you know I would apply to just any movie in general. But when there's a lawyer involved, I also have another focus, the legal aspect of it. You know, how accurate is it? Because Lord knows there's a lot of movies with lawyers in them where it's just not accurate. I'll put it nicely that way. Today, I'd like to do basically a Marissa Tomei double feature. Two movies she was in, both involving lawyers. The first one is one I think most of you probably have seen. If you haven't, you really need to check it out. It's all over cable TV. It's my cousin, Vinny, from 1992. Has it been that long? Yeah, 1992. I won't bore you with all the details of the plot. Basically, a fish-out-of-water sort of situation. Vinny plays a recently minted attorney in the New York bar, and his cousin gets in trouble in Alabama. And by trouble, I mean he's on trial for murder whole host of misunderstandings led to that. So he calls on his cousin Vinny to come down and try to save his hide, he and his co-defendant. And Vinny is a little rough around the edges, to say the least. Very sharp guy, very streetwise, but in the ways of the law, he has a lot to learn. Never, never tried any kind of case like this in his life. He's only been an attorney for a few months. So hilarity ensues. And again, the cast is great. It's Joe Pesci as Vinny. Rissa Tomei as his fiancée, Mona Lisa Vito. Brilliant. In fact, she was so good, she got an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in the movie. Uh, Fred Gwynn, formerly known as Herman Munster, plays the judge. And a whole host of character actors you've seen in a lot of other movies playing supporting parts. So it's a great cast. The director of the movie uh, has a law degree from Oxford in England. And his first rule of thumb was that the legal parts of it needed to be accurate and plausible, not the sort of fantastical stuff you've seen in a lot of other lawyer movies. And he pulls it off, frankly. And we'll talk about that in a second. The courtroom scenes, and again, if you've seen it, you've heard this before, but from a legal standpoint, what Vinny does that is so accurate and is so helpful to attorneys is. He basically gives us a textbook lesson on how to conduct a cross-examination. There are three key witnesses in the case, alleged eyewitnesses. Now, Vinny, as any good lawyer would do, takes a different approach depending on the particular witness. The first witness is a sort of early, combative, short-order cook who alleges he witnessed the defendants go into the convenience store. Five minutes later, they come running out, get in the car, and run off. So in the cross-examination, Vinny 
walks him through step by step what he did that morning in terms of how he prepared his breakfast. And a key point here is the man admitted to having eggs and grits for breakfast. And he said he started his breakfast, five minutes later it was ready, and that's when he heard the gunshot and saw them running out of the store from a distance. Vinny asked him a series of straightforward, simple questions, questions the man really is kind of locked into answering, yes or no, regardless of which way he goes, he's going to hurt his credibility. But the key issue being how long it takes to cook grits. And Vinny, who's new to Alabama, but had learned how long it takes to cook grits. So he asked the man, and again, he gets, Vinny's approach to this guy is somewhat more combative because this guy is ready for bear when, when, he get, when Vinny starts his cross-examination. So he's not going to treat him with kid gloves. Again, knowing your witness, what's the best way to approach them? Point being, the guy finally admits that, no, he doesn't use instant grits. That would be an insult to Southern tradition. I use real grits, and that takes 20 minutes. And that blew a hole in the timeline of the prosecution and his testimony. So he started his breakfast, saw him go in. 20 minutes later, by his own testimony, after his breakfast was ready, he saw them run out of the store. Well, instead of being five minutes, it's now established that it was 20 minutes. So he totally eviscerates the guy's testimony. The next eyewitness, in quotes, is an elderly woman with very poor eyesight. Now, Vinny realizes, and every good lawyer should realize, you can't take the same approach with her that you took with the first witness. So he, he doesn't. He's very courteous, handles her with kid gloves, and through demonstration with a tape measure, basically shows to everybody in the courtroom, especially the jury, that her eyesight is just horrible. And in a very calm way at the end of it he asks her so what do you think she says i guess i need a new prescription so there goes her testimony certainly certainly cast it in a very different light than what she had testified to on direct and the third person is someone who's living in a trailer nearby the convenience store who says again he was looking out his window and saw all this take place and saw these two defendants get in a car and flee the scene after hearing a gunshot now, Benny, as all good lawyers should do, was prepared. He had gone and taken pictures of the crime scene, but also taken pictures of this fellow's windows, which are just, the windows themselves are caked in dirt. Then there was a screen over top of that that had even more dirt. And looking at his window, there were two giant trees and seven bushes between his window and the convenience store. So again, this fellow was not the brightest bulb on the tree. So Vinny handles him very carefully also, just very patiently walks him through a series of questions, very simple questions. You know, and he shows him pictures of his trailer and his window and his screen. With each one, he says, what's this? What's all that brown stuff? Well, that's dirt. And what's all this crud on the screen? It's over top of the dirt. And then what are these big bushy things? Well, there's some trees. It's a very nice, but pointed cross-examination. In fact, the cross-examination of my cousin Benny has been lauded by judges, other trial litigators, people in the business saying this was a classic example of how to do a cross-examination. A lesson, in fact, 
Many people have suggested new attorneys watch this and learn how to do it properly. The other thing you learn from it, or at least the lawyer should learn from it, is, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, you don't win the trial when you walk in the courtroom. You do it ahead of time by preparation. So in this case, for example, as I said, he had photos of the crime scene and the windows and the view uh, for this eyewitness. Dirty window, caked with dirt, years of dirt, screen covered, giant trees, and about seven or eight bushes. So basically, he couldn't see anything. But if he didn't have the pictures, didn't go out there and take those pictures ahead of time, you wouldn't be able to, to drive that point home. And he even thought ahead enough to bring a tape measure to court because when he was cross-examining the woman with poor eyesight, he just basically took the tape measure and walked off the distance she was from the crime scene. And she couldn't tell, couldn't see anything at that, at that point. Very visual impact and a great way to drive home the point that, you know, she's a dear sweet lady, but she had some vision problems. And it was, as I said, visually demonstrated by having the tape measure. And that's foresight, that's planning ahead. So that's what we learned from my cousin Vinny. Separate and apart from it just being an incredibly funny and, and well done movie, well worth two hours of your time if you see it on cable TV. The next movie I want to talk about is The Lincoln Lawyer, a movie that came out in 2011. Now, remember what I said before about how I watched these movies? You know, one eye on the movie itself, block cast, et cetera, the other on the legal aspects. You know, do they pass the smell test, as we say? Well, the Lincoln Lawyer, again, it's a great cast based on a novel by Michael Connolly. You have Matthew McConaughey as Mickey Haller, criminal defense attorney, basically representing a fair number of low lowlifes. Versa Tomei in this one also. Now, here she gets to play a lawyer. She's Mickey Haller's ex, ex-wife. She's a prosecutor, and they have a child together. And she's great in this also. A complete 180 from her character and my cousin Vinny. And to me, it was a surprise because that was the first thing I had seen her in after seeing her in My Cousin Vinny. And it was like, wait a minute, is that the same person? I guess they call that acting. Anyway, she's she's very good in this also. And the movie itself is, is a really good whodunit. McConaughey is hired by this very wealthy family to represent uh, their son, who's a bit of a ne'er-do-well, played by Ryan Philippe, if anybody's familiar with him. Anyway, he's been charged with a very vicious assault against a prostitute. Just did you know, a lot of damage physically to this poor woman. And Howler's representing him, his first big-time client, based, based on what you, what you see in the movie. Uh, this is a big step up for him in terms of uh, defendants. And uh, as I said, the plot is a great whodunit in several, several respects. And a lot of twists and turns to the plot, ultimately leading to a ethical dilemma for Mickey Howard, the attorney. And if, again, if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to ruin it for you. Just to let you know, though, it is a very good movie, very tense movie. McConaughey seems like he was born to play the role. I'm not a big fan of his, but this, this is, uh, I think, one of his best performances. The legal part of it, a little bit sketchy, particularly in terms of how he finally wiggles out of this ethical, shouldn't say wiggles out, but takes care of this ethical dilemma. I think in a lot of places, if he, if he got caught doing it, he'd be in big trouble with the Bar Association. And I'll just leave it at that. 
again, his cross-examination, particularly of the victim, is very well done, makes a lot of good points, and he's a little bit aggressive with her, but she'd already contacted a lawyer and was thinking about a civil lawsuit you know, against this very wealthy family. So again, he tries to portray her as basically making all this up, staging it so that she can get a big payday from the family. But again, that takes several twists and turns also, but I highly recommend it. It's a great, you know, make some popcorn, sit down and just follow all the twists and turns. And I think you'd be surprised and happy with how it ends. So that's what we have on my plate today. And again, go see my cousin, don't go see it. You can probably get it on your TV real easily. My cousin Vinny and the Lincoln Lawyer, two thumbs up. Thank you. Joe and I like the same movies, but for a lot different reasons. My favorite lawyer played by Matthew McConaughey is Jake Brigance, who was in John Grisham's A Time to Kill. Time to Kill is a very difficult story if you read it. The first chapter has two rednecks snatching and brutally raping a young African-American girl. And the two guys get arrested. Her father breaks into the courthouse, hides in a closet. And when these two men are brought to court for their arraignment, he shoots and kills them. And Jake Brigance, Matthew McConaughey's character, defends them against a very politically ambitious prosecutor. I know you're going to say, aren't they all? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. That's one of my favorite lawyer books, but it's not one of my favorite lawyer movies. For that, I think my very favorite is Al Pacino as Arthur Kirkland in an early 70s movie called And Justice for All. Arthur Kirkland is a very idealistic young lawyer in practice for himself. In fact, the movie opens with his character in jail for contempt of court. And I remember I saw this movie before I went to college, let alone law school, but I thought, well, that's going to be part of my life as a lawyer, as a criminal defense lawyer, is from time to time going to jail for contempt. To my surprise and to the surprise of most people who know me, that hasn't happened yet. In Pacino's case, it happened because he took a swing at a judge. That hasn't happened in my life yet either. The judge was a horrible judge and a horrible human being, played wonderfully by John Forsythe. Some of you might remember John Forsythe's voice as the voice of Charlie on Charlie's Angels. Well, John Forsythe and, and Al Pacino hated each other. Forsythe's character, the judge, gets arrested for rape. And his political allies coerce Pacino into defending him. And they're very cold and calculated about it. They don't want him because he's good. They want him because everybody knows how much he and the judge hate each other. And so they figure if he's willing to defend the judge, it must be because he knows the judge is innocent. Well, I've never been as kind as my friend Joe Mancini, so I am going to give you a spoiler. The case goes to trial. Great cast. Jack Warden is the trial judge, and he's crazy. Craig T. Nelson, who later played coach on TV, is the prosecutor. And for him, this is his Super Bowl. Well, Al Pacino gives the greatest opening statement 
that I have seen any lawyer give fact or fiction in my life. He goes through chapter and verse of what's wrong with the prosecutor's case. They don't have a motive. They don't have an eyewitness. My client has character witnesses from here to Washington, D.C. And despite this being completely improper, Pacino tells the jury three or four different times that his client has passed a lie detector test. He keeps saying to the jury, I kept wondering, why would she do this? What's her motive? And I realized if she's lying, she's got to have a motive. I mean, people lie for all kinds of reasons, but they always have a reason why they're lying. And he finally says, I realized why. Because she's not lying. And he looks over at his client, the judge, and he goes, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. Oh, no. I'm going to get him. <laughs> and then he tells the jury that the honorable, and I don't remember his name, the honorable so-and-so should go right to hell. He's absolutely guilty. Well, you know, if I did that, my career as a lawyer would be over. I probably would go to jail. The judge on trial would get a mistrial. and They would try the case again some other time. That was entertaining, and it was great theatrics but it's not something that I could do. For inspiration on things I could do, there's a lawyer show that was on the BBC for a while uh, based on a series of books written by John Mortimer called Rumpole of the Bailey. The Bailey is the name they gave to the main criminal court in downtown London. And Horace Rumpole is legendary. He has two articles of faith, never plead guilty and never prosecute. And he's always looking for how am I going to win this case? He doesn't win all of his cases, but he's very, very good. And I've learned a lot about preparation and cross-examination from Horace Rumpole. Horace Rumpole also suggests not putting your client on the witness stand because clients on the witness stand have a tendency to blurt out things that are better left unblurted. Rumpel plays to win. I play to win. People who come to me don't come to me for truth, justice, in the American way. They want to win their case. They want me to win their case. I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise. I like him about as much as Joe likes Matthew McConaughey. But Tom Cruise played a great movie lawyer in A Few Good Men. He's a young buck, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. He's a plead him out, move the case kind of a lawyer, and he gets assigned the case of a lifetime. He gets to defend one of two Marines who are accused of murdering a Marine in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And in order to win the case, he has to get the base commander, Jack Nicholson, to admit to having given an illegal order. And he does what he needs to do. He figures out a way to cross-examine Nicholson to provoke him to the point where he says what he's dying to say. You're goddamn right I gave that order. I think my other favorite for much the same, well, I won't say much the same reason, playing to win is William Shatner as Denny Crane. I love Denny Crane. Denny Crane is the 
senior partner at Crane Pool and Schmidt, a fictional Boston law firm. He's in his 70s and he's never lost a case. And every room he walks into, he only says two words, Denny Crane. But when he is mentoring Alan Shore, who's really the star of the show and a terrific lawyer, he impresses on Alan Shore, played very well by James Spader, you play to win. And sometimes that means pulling a rabbit out of a hat. And I can't do the things that Denny Crane did to pull rabbits out of the hat, but I got to tell you, I pulled a lot of rabbits out of a lot of hats in my time. And that's at the top of my to-do list in every single case I take. So thanks for spending a few minutes with Joe and me talking about fact and fiction and lawyers we know from TV and the movies. We're sitting across the table from each other, smiling at these stories that we're very familiar with and these characters. And I think we're going to do a podcast with this kind of subject matter another time. But that'll be it for today. Thank you for watching the Kessler Law Firm podcast. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on your favorite podcasting site, please click subscribe or follow. So next time you come back, our latest podcast will be ready and waiting for you. And if you'd like to connect and find out more about us, visit our website at www.kesslerlawfirm.com. And as they used to say on Siskel and Ebert, We'll see you at the movies.